received 39 stripes because 40 was known to kill a man. They held handfuls of his beard and hair and pulled them out by the roots. They wanted him alive. They kicked, punched, and spit on him for hours until there wasn't a single spot on his body not covered in blood. They wanted him alive. They shoved a crown of thorns down on his head so harshly that it stuck in his skin. They wanted him alive. After hours of being beaten, mobbed, whipped, flogged, and tortured, they made him walk with a cross. They made him carry it. A rough piece of wood with splinters digging into fresh wounds. They wanted him alive. They wanted him to feel every ounce of pain they could bring. He had to feel it in order to heal us. Crucifixion was historically one of the cruelest, most tortured deaths a human could face. Hours upon hours of torture. Torture most of us cannot mentally think of because that kind of cruelty is not normal to us. It isn't something our minds can comprehend. We celebrate Easter with chocolate, pastel colors, happy children hunting eggs. Truth be told, for most people, there is nothing happy about the day Jesus died. It was cruel, bloody, and nasty. He could have stopped it. He could have stopped it all. He could have called every angel in heaven to demolish every person standing and shouting, crucify him. But he didn't. He knew in order to have a Sunday, you had to have a Friday. He knew in order to have joy, you have to carry your cross. He felt everything that day. He felt how your heart broke wide open when someone you loved died. He felt how heavy your life was when you stared down the barrel of a gun wondering if you were going to pull the trigger or not. He carried the weight of the burden you felt since your spouse died and life just doesn't seem right. On that cross, he held the rapist, the murderers, the sinners, and the saints. He leveled every playing field and said, all of you are worth it. He knew he had to carry the cross. He never promised the cross you carry in this life would not be heavy. His wasn't. His promise is that Sunday is coming. No matter how heavy Friday is, financially, emotionally, mentally, or physically, Friday is heavy, but Sunday is coming. That cross is weighing you down, and you are about to crumble under its weight. His promise was simple. He won't make you carry it alone. What kind of king would step down from his throne for this? Jesus, the Son of God, did for you. He did every bit of it for you and for me. Yes, it is heavy. So heavy sometimes you don't think you can take one more step. But look up, because Sunday is coming. Author unknown. God, we come to you today, Father, just thankful. Thankful for what today means. Thankful for what Friday brought. But God, as we were preparing for this, uh, I heard twice um, that this is just another Sunday. Now, this is a significant Sunday. Father, this is the pillar of our faith Sunday, but we worship you the same yesterday, today, and forever, because God, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
God, you're the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God, we love you. We praise you. You are worthy of our worship. And God, we just thank you for today and Friday that you sent your son, that through him we can have a relationship with you. And it's in his name I pray. And the church said, amen. amen. All right, man, let's get right. Hey, happy Easter, everybody. Yeah, come on. <clears throat> All right. So I wish I could tell you that, man, I have this extravagant, different Easter sermon. I'm going to disappoint you. This is Easter. This is Resurrection Sunday. This is the message that's been given every year for the last 2,000 years. Uh, man, it's good to see you sitting in a service every once in a while. Yeah, so y'all give it up for Pastor and his family. <clears throat> we are uh, going to be in God's Word. Um, I would be remiss on Easter Sunday not to talk about the resurrection. That is why we are here. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this book, no other letter to mankind speaks of love grace, mercy, and most importantly, immortality. Scripture says that the dead will rise. He has risen. He did it first. He had to do it so that we could as well. And he is alive. Amen. So my question to y'all today, and <clears throat> the video kind of said it, is do you know him? You know, we all come to church on Easter. I used to be an EMC, Easter, Mother's Day, and Christmas. Um, things have changed a little bit. Um, I used to go just to kind of appease my mom. Um, most of the time it did, those three times a year. Uh, but some of you are kind of feeling how I used to feel, that, uh, you know, people are staring at me. I used to do more sinning the night before Easter Sunday than everybody in this church put together. Um, but that shame that you feel is in your head and not our eyes. Amen. Amen. We are glad you're here. Uh, y'all should have came to the 10 o'clock. There's more of y'all here at the 8 than I thought there would be. Um, <laughs> uh, but welcome to the JV game. The varsity plays next. Right, so, uh, <laughs> uh, all right, man, so let's get in the word. Um, so my question to you not only is do you know him, but how is your relationship? Me and Harper were talking this week about how uh, somebody he had seen uh, that hasn't been to church in a while. Uh, guys, we know when you come and when you don't. The last thing you need to do is tell us why, because we don't care. <laughs> if your relationship is right, you'll be convicted, and you'll be back in this building. But the first question he asks is, I don't care why you, you know, there's no excuse good enough to tell me why you haven't been coming to church. But how's your relationship? Because if your relationship is strong enough, you will feel that conviction, and you will get back into church. That's another topic for another day. So how is your relationship with Christ? Um, the title for today's message is, I Choose to Believe. Very simple. I choose to believe. So we're going to go through uh, the four Gospels. I'm going to save you some heartache. We're not going to read them all. Just going to kind of glance through them. Um, <clears throat> We're going to start, my favorite account of the resurrection is in Matthew 28, um, and since that's the first gospel, that's where we're going to start. At the end of 27, it talks about the tomb being sealed, and that's where I'm going to start. It's uh, <clears throat> chapter 27, 
verse 63. So this is the chief priests and the Pharisees going to Pilate and saying, Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. So already they know that if this story gets out, this is going to change everything. If he actually does what he says he's going to do, this is going to change everything. So on into verse 28, it says, After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. So on into verse 9, Jesus does meet them. It says, Greetings, he said. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So on into 11, we're kind of going to get a reflection of 27. It says, the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest that everything that had happened. So in 13, it says, telling him, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him while we were asleep. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. So the story got out. Why? Because he did what he said he was going to do. I choose to believe that. But what we're going to do is I'm going to, uh, <clears throat> kind of going to appeal to everybody today. I'm going to appeal to the believers. We all know this story. You choose to believe. I'm also going to appeal to the naysayers. So if you're watching online, or even if you're sitting in this room, and there's thoughts that you have about why things were written and how they were written, you don't have to question it because I'm going to break them down for you. I'm going to show you how this can get confusing. So on into Mark, we're going to be in Mark 16. I'm not going to read a whole lot of it. So in Mark 16, it says, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go anoint Jesus' body. They were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. That's Mark. On into Luke. We're going to pick up in Luke 24. Luke 24 simply says, The women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Verse 4 says, While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? So that's Luke. On into John. 
John 20. This says, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So this is the gardener story. In verse 11, it says, But Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize who it was, thinking it was the gardener. So that's four stories, four perspectives that the naysayers will say, ha, gotcha. Hypocrites, all of you. I choose to believe. I choose to believe that there are over 66 books in that Bible written by over 40 different people, translated, interpreted, transcribed, rewritten, translated again, and rewritten again. Four different stories. So Matthew speaks of Mary and Mary. There was an earthquake with one angel. The tomb, after the angel comes down, he rolls away the stone. In Mark, you got Mary and Mary, and then a third, Salome. And they asked who will roll the stone away because it already had been. One young man sitting on the right side. In Luke, it says the women, the stone had already been rolled away, and now there's two men. John, Mary is alone, the stone has already been rolled away, and again, there's two angels. I choose to believe. I choose to believe that those are four different people writing four different stories 50 to 70 years after this took place. I'm not even 50 years old. For those of you that are, can you remember something that happened 50 years ago? If I were to give four of y'all a piece of paper and witness a car wreck outside and split you up, you would have four different stories. You'd have four different perspectives about what happened. I choose to believe then there's the story of Easter today, the resurrection. For us as Christians, this is Super Bowl Sunday, right? We hear that all the time. This is the pillar of our faith. I choose to believe. I choose to believe that Jesus came to this earth, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, was crucified, buried, and three days later rose again. I choose to believe. Whatever theology, whatever doctrine, whatever church, mainstream denomination you grew up in, it doesn't matter. I choose to believe. Easter always meant something to me, even before I started my walk. Um, when Tiff and I were trying to find a home church, we went to a very pre uh, predominant denomination in this town. Uh, and I remember, I remember the pastor giving the message, and it was about how old the congregation was and that they weren't tithing enough. On Easter Sunday, that's the message he gave. Even somebody like me was like, tell it, Mikey, that ain't right. <laughs> that ain't right. 
Even I had that mustard seed of faith that I knew what Easter meant because I even then, I chose to believe. So I had a conversation this week. I saw a video about how some people think um, why Easter is Easter. So even a question that I always had before I started my walk uh, was we all know that Christmas is celebrated on December 25th. Why does Easter change? That was a question that I always had. I choose to believe. I choose to believe that Easter is a movable feast that is based on the lunar cycle. I believe that in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. To me, I believe that's why the date changes. Now, there's some people... uh, we're going to go, I'm going to appeal to the, to the non-believers and the skeptics. So there was a, a goddess in Babylon named Ishtar uh, in the Bible. She is called Ashtoreth. Different days, pagan symbolisms. They say the same thing about Christmas. Uh, can't believe y'all put a Christmas tree up. That's a pagan symbol. Uh, you know, Halloween, that's all Hallow's Eve. Y'all are just letting the devil. As for me and my house, we going to trick or treat. As for me and my house, we're going to put a Christmas tree up. So this, uh, this goddess was, uh, was worshipped in the springtime because things started coming alive. Well, it just so happened that she was the goddess of fertility. And they say that that's why the egg and the bunny came to be. I choose to believe. <laughs> I choose to believe that my Lord and Savior rose from the dead. Belief is so simple and so difficult. We make things so much harder than it has to actually be. We get questions all the time from people, uh, well, what are y'all's beliefs? What are your basic beliefs? I mean, the same thing that everybody should believe. Belief. I choose to believe. Anytime we get those questions, I just, that thief on the cross, um, It just keeps coming back and back and back and back and back. The thief on the cross is the account in Luke. Uh, It's Luke 23, 39, and 43. So one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Belief is all he had. All he had. That's all he could give him. A simple prayer of God, I believe, Jesus, who you say you are. Belief. It's that simple. And even the naysayers, you know, I heard, I saw an article where people literally got into an argument over this comma. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel you. <laughs> even he's mad about the comma. <laughs> the comma. So what they're saying is, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. 
Well, Scripture goes on to say that nobody would ascend with him until his ascension, was his, which is a few days later. They said, you know, if the comma had been after today, he says, truly I tell you today, you will eventually be with me in paradise. I choose to believe. I choose to believe that because of his belief, he was with Jesus in paradise. That's our goal. That's why I come to church on Easter Sunday. That's why I let my wife pick out my shirt. That's why I let her lick the back of my hair down and dress me up and take pictures. I choose to believe. And I didn't always believe. We all have that encounter with Christ. His happened I truly believe that that's the first deathbed confession. He saw and believed that Jesus was who he said he was. It's that easy. It is literally that simple. Faith, seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. When we dumb it down, it sounds so simple. That person on the cross, as uh, I've actually given a sermon about that, and I know Micah has too. Their names aren't mentioned. <clears throat> he, uh, he goes on to, in his message, that we are those thieves. Amen. We're those thieves that deserved what Jesus took. He took the wrath, he took the punishment. He took the shame and he took the guilt. That's why in that they wanted him alive. They wanted him on the brink of death. Prayer. Praying for things that he's already promised. If you believe that he rose from the dead and you truly believe that, if you believe John 3.16, then you should believe every word that follows or comes before it. If he tells you this story of immortality, you should believe it. It's very, very simple. When we pray and we pray about things that he's already promised, we put him back on the cross every time. He did it once. He did it for all. He did it for you. And he did it for me. It's that simple. Theologies and doctrines and mainstream religion, I think, put the relationship on the back burner. We're here. That should be your, that's our first concern for you. Where is your relationship with Christ? And because of what he did today, you get it freely. It's a gift. It's a free gift. So the question that I started with, I'm going to end with, was how is your relationship with Christ? The shame that's all in our heads. You know, we see people come into church, and man, it was good to see you, and they get hot, and then the devil attacks, and then they disappear. Because it's embarrassing. 
the shame that Satan puts on you can make you feel embarrassed. So you, what you do is, is you distance yourself from Christ. You distance yourself from the body. You distance yourself from like-minded believers that can pour into you when it should be just the opposite. You're supposed to draw closer, draw near to him. Things get tough. Life gets hard. Everything we go through, he already knew that you were going to do it. He already paid the price for it. Quit putting him back on the cross and choose to believe.